If you have your Bible this morning, we're going to be looking at different passages together as we're going to be addressing the topic of the Lord's Supper. But if you will, open to the Gospel of Matthew, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Because we will be partaking of the Lord's table today, we will conclude our service a little differently than normal. Because at the conclusion of our time together, we will come to gather together as God's people to partake of the bread and to partake of the cup and remembering our Savior. And that is a part of our worship service. It's not something that is after our worship service, but as we will gather together here, we will do it in worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we get started, I want to remind you again, when it comes to the church, the church has been given two ordinances. One of them is baptism, and the other is the Lord's Supper. And that's important to remember, because if you were to read in the Bible and read in the Old Testament, you'll notice when it came to the children of Israel, when it came to the nation of Israel, they were given multiple feasts that they were to observe. But understand, we're not Israel, so we're not called on to keep those feasts. But what we are called on to do, as we're going to see today from the Lord Jesus Christ, is we are called on to keep the ordinances of baptism, and we are called on to keep the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Thus, as Christians, because this is an ordinance, that is, it is something that was ordained by the Lord himself, we are to follow in obedience to what it is he has called on us to do. Thus, if you are a Christian, then you should have followed the command of our Lord to be baptized as a believer. And if you're a Christian, you're also to follow the Lord in partaking of the Lord's table as a believer. And I want to stress that again, this is something we do as believers. It's not something that we do to become believers. Neither baptism nor the Lord's Supper have any part in your being justified in the sight of God. It will have zero to do with that. It will have zero to do with your being cleansed and forgiven of the Lord and coming to Him by faith. But it is important that we keep these ordinances. And so today we're going to be looking at the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And I had you turn here to Matthew 26 because we're just going to look at different elements of the Lord's Supper, different parts to this event that we come in worshiping our Savior through the partaking of the bread and the partaking of the cup. And the first element I wanted you to see here in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew 26, is what I call the premiere of the Lord's Supper. The premiering of the Lord's Supper. And by that I mean when it started. When it was inaugurated. As I said, you're not going to find the Lord's Supper in the Old Testament. It's not there. You can read through all 39 books from Genesis to Malachi, and you're not going to see the nation of Israel. You're not going to see Adam and Eve. You're not going to see anyone before the covenant that God gives with Abraham. You're not going to see anyone throughout any of those times partaking of the Lord's Supper. But you do find it here. It starts here in Matthew 26. 
And it starts with the Lord Jesus Himself. He's the one who starts it. And He starts it here when He's partaking of the last Passover that He will have with His apostles. And we find it there in verse 26 where it says, While they were eating, that is, they're eating the Passover meal together, Jesus took some bread. And after a blessing, he spoke and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Jesus here is taking that Passover meal where they gather together and he is now transforming that for them. He's taking some of the elements of that Passover meal and he's now turning that into what you and I celebrate now together. We don't celebrate the Passover. We celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we celebrate His deliverance of us. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate, celebrate the communion table together. And here is where it starts here on this night. The Lord Jesus started it. And this would be something that He would have for them to do. As we're going to see it here in just a moment. And to continue to do as the people of God, as the church. So it premiered here. So once it, was, it started here with the Lord Jesus Christ, we begin to see it practice. The, I call it the practicing or the Lord's Supper. And that doesn't really begin, beloved, until we get over to the book of Acts and go to Acts chapter 2. And the reason why that is significant, because it is in Acts chapter 2 that we have the actual beginning of the church. When the Spirit of God, you, we know Acts chapter 2, the Lord Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 1 has been raised from the dead. He spends about 40 days with his apostles, with his disciples, ministering to them, teaching them more about the kingdom of God, helping them to understand more fully what it is that God is doing. And then he gives them the instructions that to go back to Jerusalem, to wait there until the Spirit of God that had been promised from the Father comes upon them. And when he comes upon them, they're going to receive power and to go out and be a witness for Christ from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Jesus Jesus ascends back into heaven and they know they're supposed to go and they're waiting for the Spirit of God. And in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God comes upon them. And when the Spirit of God comes upon them, they begin to proclaim the gospel and they begin to proclaim about who Jesus is to the Jews that are all gathered around there. And as Peter takes the lead, and as he does that, and as he's proclaiming to them who Jesus is, as it even sums it up there in verse 36, Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And the people were pierced to their heart, and they're crying out, What shall we do? And Peter's calling on them to repent. And they receive the word and they're baptized. And then we see in verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And beloved, I believe a part of that breaking of bread there 
was not just them gathering together just for a meal to enjoy as a part of the church family, but to also remember the Lord Jesus Christ. This is actually a part of their meal together. They would come and celebrate the Lord's Supper together as God's people. This is something they were doing on a regular basis. We see this continuing. You can look over, over in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 20, where with the Apostle Paul, and in verse 7 it says, On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, he would begin talking to them, sharing the truth with them. In verse 11 it says, When he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak and then left. The good news for you is you won't be here till daybreak. But we see the church practicing this. We also see it over in 1 Corinthians. I want you to look over there for a moment because we'll be there for several parts of what we want to see. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is giving instructions again to the church at Corinth. Because they're having some problems in how they are actually partaking of the Lord's table. And he just reminds them in verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So he's already told them this. This is what he's about to write to them. It's not something that they've never heard before. They've heard him say this before. He's taught this to them. I received it from the Lord... I delivered it to you. What is it that he delivered? That the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, that goes back to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 26, and you can look over in the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 22, and you see the same event. It was on that night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and he says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is what is taking place here. And we could look back up some verses before that. And you see that this this happened as they gathered together for a meal. They were breaking bread together. But a part of that would be a remembering of the Lord and the Lord's Supper. So we see this practicing. Jesus premiered it there on that last night, the last Passover with his disciples when he was about to be betrayed. And then we see it begin in Acts chapter 2 with the birthing of the church into this world, with the coming of the Spirit of God upon them in the way that he did, and the baptism of the Spirit of God that was there. And we see it now being practiced even here in the church at Corinth. But let me bring out another element that I think is important for us to recognize. I call it the period for the Lord's Supper. That is, how long are we going to partake of the Lord's Supper? How long is the Lord's Supper going to be practiced? Well, we saw where it began. We saw it began with the Lord Jesus, and we saw where it really began even with the church back in Acts chapter 2. So when does it stop in a sense? When is this period over of the, we should be remembering the Lord's Supper, remembering the Lord? Well, go back with me for just a moment in 1 Corinthians 11, 
And notice what Paul said there in verse 26. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, that's when it will be over in that sense. That means, beloved, that is, we will keep on as the people of God, as the church, remembering the Lord through the bread and the cup until he comes. That is, until he comes for the church, which makes sense because the Bible teaches that with the coming for the church, he's going to take the church out of this world. You even think back to what Jesus said. It's an interesting statement. On that night of the Passover, he actually tells them that he will drink of this cup again, this cup of the Passover with them again, but he's going to do it when the kingdom comes. When my father's kingdom comes. Well, when does the kingdom come? The kingdom will ultimately come with the second coming of Christ. And with the second coming of Christ to this earth to establish his rule and his reign. Well, he will rule for the thousand years and the millennium. And this is what's being referred to back in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 45 and verse 21 that is there that speaks about them partaking of the Passover. But not the Passover in the Old Covenant, but the Passover in the New Covenant because of the blood that was shed by the Lord Jesus Christ. So by application for us, beloved, what that tells us is, is that while we're here, as long as we are here, we are to intentionally set aside time to remember the Lord's death through the partaking of the bread and the partaking of the cup. This is something we need to be intentional about. Have you think about a fourth element together? I call it the purpose for the Lord's Supper. The purpose for the Lord's Supper. Look again, and you're there in 1 Corinthians 11. We could go back to the gospel where Jesus was speaking, but we can just stay here with Paul, who received this from the Lord and had delivered it to them. And what is it that he said? He spoke about the Lord on that night that when he had given thanks, in verse 24, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And when he had given thanks and he broke it and said that, and then he says in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He's given you there the purpose of this. Jesus gave the purpose. Why is it he wanted God's people, he wanted his people to take time out, to intentionally set aside time to come together as his people to remember him? It's about remembering Jesus. And that idea there even of remembering is this deep reflection on Christ, on who he is, and on what it is that he accomplished for us through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. You see, beloved, we should be thinking about his humility. We should be thinking about his sacrifice on the cross. We should be thinking about the victory he won for us and God raising him from the dead. We should be thinking about our deliverance, our redemption, how God has rescued us from sin, rescued us from an eternal hell, how God has delivered us and the cost of that deliverance. 
we should be remembering also that he will return. And when he does, that we will be like him. You stop and you think about what all Paul addresses here. I mean, he's addressing different areas of theology in the church. I mean, obviously ecclesiology, but he's even going to be addressing eschatology there about his coming. And just soteriology here about salvation, just remembering the redemption of what Christ has done for us. And I want you to listen now very carefully to me about what I'm going to say. Because it is the difference, it can be the difference between spending eternity separated from God or with God. It's the difference between eternal death and eternal life. When it comes to understanding this purpose for the Lord's Supper. Because this supper, when we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, please understand, it is not for the purpose of infusing any kind of grace into you that's going to somehow help contribute in some way to your salvation. It is simply about your loving obedience to Christ, listen carefully, as a saved disciple of Christ. It is just an act of worship of Him. It in no way contributes to salvation. It in no way does anything in that regard. It is a memorial. That is, this bread and the cup that we're going to be drinking, you need to see those as symbols. At no time will that bread or that cup actually become the body of Christ or actually become the blood of Christ. It won't do that. I don't have the power, nor does anyone else have the power and the authority to somehow convert that bread and convert that cup into the actual body and blood of Jesus. Jesus died and Jesus gave himself up on the cross for our salvation once and for all. We are not here re-offering him as a sacrifice. Okay, that has been settled And if you ever struggle with that a little bit, just go back to that night that Jesus started this event for us. He's sitting there in the flesh. Jesus is sitting with his apostles and he takes them and he passes bread around to them and he says, as you take this bread, eat it, for this is my body. While he's still sitting there in the flesh. And he says, drink of this cup. This is my blood. But his blood still coursing through his veins. I mean, not, at no time would they have sat there and thought, my goodness, we're all of a sudden now eating the very body of Jesus. We're drinking the blood of Jesus. No, they understood what he was speaking about, that spiritually speaking in that sense, this is representing, this was going to represent his body, his blood, his sacrifice on the cross. This is the purpose So, beloved, when we come to this time together, it is something that you should take very serious and just reflecting on the the wonderful grace that God has shown you and the salvation that you have and thinking about the costliness of it, of Jesus going to a cross where he's suffering under the wrath of his Father, where his Father is pouring out his wrath upon him. And not for any sin that he committed, but for our sins. He's suffering that. This is the purpose. But also, 
I think it's important for us to also understand what I call the prerequisites for the Lord's Supper. Can anyone just partake of the Lord's Supper? And the answer to that would be no. The prerequisites for partaking of the Lord's Supper is first and foremost that you are saved. That you do have a relationship with Christ. That you put your faith in Christ. Remember, these ordinances are given for believers. Believers' baptism, believers' Lord's table. It's for believers. And so that's why the first thing you should do is you think and you sit here and you listen to all this is to examine yourself and say, do I have true, genuine, saving faith in Christ? As I just thought about this, you could just think back to when it was first, I believe, observed there in Acts chapter 2. The people that were observing it were those who had received the word of God. Thus, they were the ones who were saved. Secondly, they were not only received the word of God, then they were willing to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ because they were willing to be baptized. All those who received the word, it says in Acts chapter 2, were actually then baptized as believers. And I would encourage you even there, if you say, well, I, I do have genuine saving faith. I have put my faith in Christ. But you've never been baptized. You've never been willing to identify with Christ. I would encourage you to hold off on partaking of the Lord's table until you're willing to publicly identify with Christ. Because here's the thing. If you partake of the table in an unworthy fashion that can have serious consequences. See, if you're not ready to be baptized, then I would say you're not ready to partake of the Lord's table. You're not quite ready. But also, beloved, let me just encourage you this, and this is going to tie in with another aspect of it. When I look again at Acts 2, it's those who received the word, those who had been baptized, and it's those who were just devoted to the apostles' teachings. They say they were just devoted followers of Christ. They weren't perfect. They were sinners. They were still sinning. They still struggled with sin. But there was just a desire in their heart to walk with Christ. And I bring that up because here in a moment we're going to talk about that one of the things that the Lord's Supper actually does is promote purity in our life and purity in the body of Christ. You see, if... if your heart needs to be right, as he even says here, verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. A man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For whoever eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Here's what I'm just saying to this to you. If, if, if right now you just don't, you don't think your heart is really right with the Lord as it should be, and, and you're just having a hard time with that, there is no, let me just say, there is no shame in saying, you know what, today I'm just not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. 
You see, it's not wrong to let the elements pass by because you're not ready. It is wrong to partake of it in an unworthy fashion. See, that's wrong to do that. So do you know Christ? Are you identified with Christ? Are you willing to evaluate your heart before the Lord, as we're going to do here in a moment? Just confess before Him. Let me give you a couple more elements this morning in regards to the Lord's Supper. The next one I call the promotion or the production that comes from the Lord's Supper. That is, what is it that the Lord's Supper helps to promote or helps to produce in our life or really in our church? Well, one of the things it should do is help promote unity in the body of Christ. This is actually why Paul is getting onto them in a hard way here. Back in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 11, he says, but in giving this instruction, I do not praise you. Look, I'm not praising you, he says to the church at Corinth, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. And he's talking here about how they were being selfish and how they were actually observing the Lord's Supper. They weren't doing it in a united fashion. They were doing it in a selfish fashion. He even says over in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 17, Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Beloved, if there's any time where we as a church should be united together, it is when we are united together around the Lord's table because we have all taken the time to reflect on the salvation that Christ has given us and we're all humbled by that and we're all amazed by that and we're all have taken time to evaluate our heart before the Lord and we are all been willing to confess our sins and we're wanting to make sure everything is right so that we can be just like the church was, the early church back in Acts chapter 2 where they were of one mind, one spirit there to worship the Lord. You see, what the Lord's table should do for us personally is this. It should motivate each one of us to make sure that our relationships with one another are always right. That we don't leave things unsettled. Because we know it won't be long, we have to come to this table. And when we come to this table, we're supposed to be united as one. And if we can't come to this table united as one, then we shouldn't come to the table. But we want to partake of this. It is a joy and a privilege and a pleasure to come and to eat of the bread and drink of this cup together. But we're to do it together as a church, as one in Christ. So it promotes unity, beloved. But as I read a moment ago there in 1 Corinthians 11 and verses 27 to 32, it also promotes purity. Purity in the church. Purity. So that you come to this table in a worthy fashion. And beloved, all I'm saying there is that you just want to just have your fellowship right with the Lord. You see, it comes to this. You come to this table and you have fellowship right with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and you just have your fellowship right with God. And we just come here to worship Him together. And we're willing just to address sin in our life. Just confess our sin. Just doing what the Lord calls on us to do. This is what it promotes. But finally... 
I want you to see also what it proclaims. The proclamation from the Lord's Supper. Go back again to 1 Corinthians 11. And notice how Paul writes this in verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. As often, that means every single time we gather together as a church body to eat of this bread and drink of the cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death. We're going to be talking about the Lord's death. We're going to be sharing the gospel. We're going to be thinking about the gospel, thinking about redemption, talking about redemption. Beloved, this is one of those times where clearly any time we come to take of the bread and the cup, it's going to be uh, an evangelistic aspect to that. I'll just tell you as parents, it is a great opportunity to talk at different times with your kids about this. I mean, they see this, they see this cup and, the, and, the, and they see the bread go by and they see you eat it and they see the cup go by and you get it and you drink it and they hear all these things and, and they see that, well, I can't, why can't I eat that? Why come, I, I can't drink that. And you get to talk to them about that and talk to them about what it represents and why they need to know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. It helps to proclaim the Lord's death. Really, beloved, you stop and you think about it. When we come here in just a moment to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we are going to be exalting our Savior. We are going to be edifying, being edified by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to be evangelizing the lost. All just by coming to this table to eat of the bread and to drink of the cup. So let me ask you this morning. Are you spiritually ready? Are you spiritually ready to partake of the Lord's Supper? First and foremost, do you have a saving, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have a saving, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord? Have you genuinely called out to Him to save you? Have you genuinely surrendered to Him as the Lord of all and to be the Lord of your life, trusting in Him? Has Jesus Christ laid hold of you? Do you know Him? Are you walking with Him? Have you identified with Him? Are you ready? You may say, well, yes, I can say yes to all those questions. Well, if you say no to that, then beloved, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. Seek the Lord. Put your trust in Him. You've heard the gospel here this morning. You've heard what Jesus did. You've heard that Jesus is the sacrifice for your sins. You've heard that your only hope of forgiveness and being made right with God is through Jesus Christ. And you need to surrender to Him. You need to put your faith in Him. You need to call out to Him. That's what this day needs to be for you. But if you can say, yes, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I know Christ. I have a relationship with Christ. Well, here's what I want you to do. In a moment, we have our time of reflection. I want you to examine your heart before the Lord. Is there 
Are there some things there that you need to confess before the Lord? You don't need to come down here to me. You don't need to come to anybody else. Just where you're sitting with the Lord, you need to spend some time getting your heart right and making sure, Lord, I'm right with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm right with you. And I, if there's something there you need to confess, just confess it before the Lord. And ask Him to, to help cleanse you and to change you and to make you more like Him in that area. And I want to encourage you just to walk in obedience so that we come here together as a united people to love and to worship our Savior as we take of the bread and take of this cup. So I want to ask you now to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.